The Suffolk Journal podcast is the official podcast of the Suffolk Journal. Things may have changed by the time you heard this episode. The NBA, like the rest of the sports world, has been shut down since mid-March. However, it is now making plans to return in July. Several players from around the league have also spoken out about the racial injustice in the wake of the George Floyd killing and ensuing protests. This episode, I will talk to Suffolk alum and contributor at The Athletic, Clevis Murray, about the NBA's future and how players are using their status to speak out against racial injustice in America. This is the Suffolk Journal Podcast. Hello, journal readers, and welcome to another episode of the Suffolk Journal Podcast. I'm your host, James Bartlett. Today, we'll be talking with Clevis Murray, a Suffolk alum and former sports writer at the Suffolk Journal, about the state of the NBA season, the Celtics' chances, and how Celtics players, as well as other players from around the league, are reacting to the George Floyd killing and protest. Enjoy. We're talking with Clevis Murray. He is a contributing writer for The Athletic, covering the Celtics. He is also the host of the State of the Court podcast, available on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. He is also a graduate of the Suffolk class of 2019 and was formerly a sports writer at the Suffolk Journal. Clevis, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on the show. Let's get right into it. We'll start with the pandemic. The NBA season, like that of the other leagues, has been halted since mid-March. What happened to the shutdown of the league and what has happened since? Yeah, so the league has been shut down for about three months. Actually, I think yesterday was actually the three-month anniversary of the shutdown. And since then, the NBA has announced plans to return to play as of July 30th in uh, in Orlando at Disney World. The problem is that the NBA has not finalized any health plans. And on technicality, they haven't even finalized plans to be at Disney. And today, reports have emerged that there are a, a wide group of players that are unpleased with the way the NBA is handling it. And they want more freedom if they do go to Orlando, such as not being stuck in a bubble. Right. So so there's there's a big discrepancy right there. Actually, former Celtics guard Kyrie Irving is actually leading the charge. The NBA is supposed to do like a, a wide range of Zoom calls with at least, I want to say between 100 or maybe 200 players. Um, so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what can happen. Uh, so far, the NBA has only announced or only allowed teams to lightly practice separately, individually. They've given out itineraries of like, this is their plan to play. This is one you guys can practice and things of that nature. But there's still a lot of unknown questions as to if the NBA actually return, as you see their counterparts, such as the MLS and NHL having plans to return. So there's a lot of question marks. Um, but time will tell. I mean, the NBA, is, they're literally on the clock. Uh, I talked to an agent today, actually, that says that he thinks the NBA should, ha- should have things finalized by July. He expects things to be finalized by early July because it, it just needs to be uh, some breathing room for the players, coaches, and everyone involved. So what, what's the format going to look like? Are they going to have like an end-of-the-season tournament? Are they going to have regular season games? Yeah, so the plan right now is so the top 20 – no, so the, the, the top 13 teams in the Western Conference will be there, and the top nine teams in the Eastern Conference will be there. And the plan right now is for each team to play at least eight games, right? And then whoever is competing for the eighth seed or whatever, there will be a play-in tournament for whoever gets the eighth seed. And the NBA has widely been thinking of doing a play-in tournament so why not do it during a worldwide pandemic? So that's their opportunity right there. Um, another issue right now that, that the NBA has is there are a few coaches over 60 and there are a few players that have underlying health issues. What do you do with them? What do you do if a player actually gets COVID-19? Um, but back to your question on the format, that's the format right now. And also the NBA has also been looking at of their thoughts of them 
going back to a best of five format, everything will be best of seven. So the only thing different is the playing tournament and the limited games. And also news broke today that the NBA is allowing teams to scrimmage when they get to Orlando against each other. So in your opinion, who's in the best position to win the NBA finals this season? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say it's, it's between the Bucks and the Lakers or the Clippers. And I say that, you know, going based off what happened, but there's a lot of people that actually think that this is a brand new season because there's no home court. These teams have had three months off going on four months off. It's brand new. Uh, some players, their conditioning has been widely different. You know, there's a player named Nikola Jokic who, you know, he's a, he's a bit on the heavier side and he lost an insane amount of weight. You know, and then there are talking to one NBA player a few weeks ago that he told me he gained like 20 pounds of muscle. So it's a new season. Um, but I'm sticking with the Bucks, the Lakers, and the uh, Bucks, Lakers, and the Clippers. So obviously we have to keep it local. Where do the Celtics stand <laughs> in their chances of coming out of the East or even winning the finals? You know, um, I don't think the Celtics are a contending uh, or a legitimate contending team. I think they can be contenders if they get lucky or so but I just think the Milwaukee Bucks are just the best team in the Eastern Conference then the Philadelphia 76ers I know a lot of Celtics fans you know Jason Tatum the 22 year old has become an all-star he showed signs of being a superstar um but I I just don't see it you know Celtics bench their their bench is pretty weak um they've been kind of inconsistent at times so I I don't I don't see it but again it's a brand new season things can change uh but I'm not counting off the Celtics they do have a puncher's chance there's a, there's a chance for them. Um, it just depends on how things unfold. So in your mind or in the mind of most of the sports world, will this NBA champion have an asterisk next to a name in the record books? A hundred percent. I mean, to me, I'm a believer that every, on a technicality, to me, every championship does have an asterisk, but obviously this one would be more noticeable because of obviously the given circumstances. But um, I think even though there will be an asterisk, I think all the players, coaches, and everyone involved should understand like, hey, if you're playing, everyone's on an even playing field, you know, not everyone had not, there has been no games for the past three to four months. Not everyone has had access to exercise equipment or whatever. So I think there will be an asterisk, but I think like anything else in life, I think there has to be context. Um, but a champion is a champion at the end of the day. So is there any sense of what free agency will look like? Uh, so free agency, to my knowledge, would, would be in the fall. But the biggest problem right now is, the NBA was already losing money because of the China situation that happened during the preseason. And Adam Silver said in February, the NBA lost about $400 million. I could only imagine what the NBA is losing right now because of COVID-19. And actually there's, as I mentioned earlier, there's a bit of a discrepancy from players on should the season resume or not. The biggest problem is that these players need to understand if the season does not resume, they are financially hit for at least, three to five years, maybe even more. These are a yeah. huge financial impact if the season does not resume, which would affect free agency, which also would affect the NBA salary cap. So there's a ripple effect. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it definitely affects free agency, especially if you're about to be a free agent, because I think what, who is protected the most are the guys that have those three, four year contracts yeah. where it's like, all right, I got some time for the NBA to recoup their money. But you have guys like, I believe LeBron James actually is a free agent next year. So that might be a little bit interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a huge, huge hit. And the NBA has not released any figures of how much their total damage has been. All we know is there's $400 million from, from February. And I actually talked to someone that thinks this might approach a billion-dollar loss. 
Um, so we'll see, but this is, it's, it's insurmountable. It's a huge loss. Do you think that for some older players, they're worried about maintaining their legacy? Like LeBron, he's 35 years old, I believe. Yep. He's running out of time to win the championship. Do you think there's urgency to get back to this season for him? Oh, 100%. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, whenever people bring up LeBron, they bring up championships. You know, everyone wants to talk about LeBron's three and six in the finals. I just think that LeBron is in a great situation to be, you know, a champion for a fourth time. He's on probably the best team in the league, probably the best team in this conference. And I just think that he – and he's, he's one of the record saying that he would feel deprived and incomplete if the season does not resume, especially because the season was almost towards the postseason. There was about – when the season was canceled, there was about 13 to 15 games remaining. Now you shorten it and there's only eight games until the playoffs, and then you give LeBron James, a 35-year-old man, three months off with a gym at his house – I mean, it gives him all the reason to say, we need to get this done. I'd rather go down swinging than go down without a fight. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's definitely a sense of urgency, especially for the teams that know they can win a championship. So let's talk about the NBA's reaction to the George Floyd killing and the protests that followed. What has the response been from around the NBA? Yeah, it's been pretty positive. I mean, the, the NBA, you know, it's no secret. It's a majority black league. And obviously throughout the, the advent of social media, especially since, you know, Ferguson in 2014, you've seen a lot of players begin to speak up. You know, George Floyd's passing or killing, I should rather say, is just another example of how, you know, there are individuals that have a lot of power that exploit it, you know, to the innocent people. Um, you, you've seen guys like Jalen Brown, Ennis Cancer, Nick Claxton from the, uh, from the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving. LeBron, Anthony Davis, J.R. Smith, a lot of guys have spoken up or they've been in protest. And it's just a lot of guys, just because you are a professional athlete, doesn't make you immune to what goes on in society. You know, I think what you're seeing is a lot of guys realizing that their platform is huge and that people pay attention to them. Um, so it's been good to see that. It's been, it's been you know, the NBA has always been a, a league at the forefront of change. Back in a few years ago, I think in 2016, LeBron and his friends stood up at the ESPYs, an ESPN event, and spoke out against social injustice, and you're seeing it again right now. So NBA players are fed up. All athletes are fed up. You know, I think, though, it, it sucks that it takes someone dying for change to happen, but this past two weeks, there's been a ton of change that's occurred, you know, in communities, you know, around the world. Um, so I, I think it's been great. So like you said, NBA players in the past decade have not shied away from expressing their views on racial issues and injustices. Several players, most noticeably LeBron, because he's the NBA's biggest star, were vocal about Donald Sterling's racist comments in 2014. James also famously wore an I Can't Breathe t-shirt to warm-ups that same year to process the killing of Eric Gardner. And he was also attacked by Fox News host Laura Ingram, <laughs> who told James to shut up and dribble for his comments on President Trump. What has James done in the response to the George Floyd case? Yeah, so in, in, in wake of it, you know, there's voting going on, right? So this past Tuesday, I believe, was voting in the state of Georgia. So LeBron, being the icon that he is as an athlete, uh, began the more than a vote campaign. You know, obviously, it's twist on, you know, more than a game that he had, a, a movie he had in 2009. Mm -hmm. So more than a vote is a campaign that is going to use a bunch of black athletes, a bunch of black known, you know, entertainers, I guess is the better way to say it. LeBron himself. Trey Young, an emerging superstar, Skylar Diggins Smith in the WNBA, and you had Kendrick Perkins, former retired, uh, now retired NBA player, and Stephen Jackson, who 
you know, uh, some people may not know, but Steven Jackson's a former NBA player and also was a friend of George Floyd. And he's Steven Jackson's actually been an activist speaking out on his behalf. So you have a lot of notable entertainers that are joining forces with LeBron because they see the oppression that's happening. There's voter oppression that's well documented. You know, it's I mean, look at what happened in Georgia, where in the urban communities, people are waiting for three hours to vote. You go to suburbs, they're going in and out real quickly. So it's little things like that. Um, and LeBron sees it and he's, he's trying to, you know, make change. You know, he says he can use his platform to educate people on how to vote, the process of it, what to do if there's a, if, you know, if there's an error or anything of that matter. Uh, so he, he pays attention to it. And I, and I think he realizes too, and he realizes a long time ago where if you're an athlete and people are paying attention to you, you should be doing more than just playing a game of basketball, right? It happened in the 60s with former Celtic Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali, a former boxer. If you do more than play the game, that's a lasting legacy. And LeBron realizes that. So what activism have Celtics players been participating in? I know we saw a few of them in Boston and we saw Jalen Brown drive 15 hours to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see Jalen Brown in Atlanta. He's from Atlanta. So he, was, he led a peaceful protest there. Um, and he noted that I think he said that peaceful protest of him actually got arrested, which was interesting. But Jalen, who's actually on the NBA's NBPA executive board, has always been outspoken since he was in high school. This is a guy that was taking master classes as a freshman at Cal. Um, so he's a guy that's always been paying attention to it. He's always used his voice, you know, even before people were paying attention to him. And he knows that because he's a basketball player that he plays for the NBA that people will follow what he does. Um, then you have Marcus Smart, who not too long ago was, uh, was with the protesters in Boston at Boston Common, and his cancer the same. And Ennis cancer is a guy that a lot of people, just because he's not from America, he's dealt with a lot, you know, from mm-hmm. his home country in Turkey, where his family has disowned him. He's viewed as a terrorist from his home country. So he, he is oppressed. He's about, he knows what's, what it feels to be, you know, disowned or disliked, even by your own people. Uh, so the Celtics are a team constructed of guys that, realize that it's more than a game and they're really about that action and it's good to see it especially from your own community Danny Yane supports it Brad Stevens has spoken up about it saying he wants his players to do this and they're following it okay thank you Clovis Murray thank you thank you again to Clovis Murray and a special thank you to Hannah Arroyo Once again, Murray's podcast, Stay of the Court, is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. The Subcontrol Podcast is produced and edited by me. Please subscribe to the Subcontrol Podcast. We are currently available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Music. Please share with your friends and family and check out the amazing work done by our staff at thesuppochjournal.com. Thank you.